You're listening to the Locked On Nuggets podcast, your daily podcast on the Denver Nuggets. Now, here is your host, Adam Mades. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On NBA Network. I'm your host, Adam Mades from DNBR. The best Denver Nuggets coverage on the web. I guarantee you that you're going to want to sign up today. And actually, just beginning today, we have a new promo code of sorts. We're doing a competition over at DNVR where if you sign up using my promo code MADES, M-A-R-E-S, we're doing a month-long competition to see who can sign up the most subscribers. It's got to be me. If you do this, I win a year's supply of Breck Brewery. Breck beer, which is awesome. It's an awesome gift. I got to tell you, right now, Brendan Vogt is dominating this competition. It's only been live for like five hours, and already Brendan Vogt signed up like a dozen people. What is going on, people? Sign up. Use the promo code MADES. I need the support. I'm telling you guys, this, um, just to give you a taste, so I know a lot of people are wondering what's going on over at DNVR. Um, is it worth it? Is it not? Tomorrow, Tuesday, we're going to have a brand new the DNBA show. If you remember the old Stiffs NBA show that Brendan and I did last year, a couple episodes of revamped, reorchestrated, and done professionally with two producers, super producer Kale, super producer Ali Monroy over at DNBR. We got our whole studio. Really cool. I'm, I'm really excited for it. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. It's just a fun show. I like how it turned out. Um, what makes this play great? A weekly series where I explain a specific play. Um, that's behind the paywall. You're going to want to see that DNBA show. That's free for everyone. Everybody gets to enjoy that one. What makes this play great? It's only for subscribers. It's a real cool eight to 10 minute deep dive on a specific play. I've got the list after every single game. I break down like the 10 plays or 10 moments that I find most interesting in video detail. It's really, really cool. And then player grades. So if you like what I'm doing, those are the types of things you're going to get every single week uh, at DNVR. So if you think that is worth roughly 90 cents per week, $3.74 per month, sign up and use the promo code M-A-R-E-S, and I might get free beer for a year, which I would be happy to share with all of you. Today's episode of the show, I'm going to talk about the the rookie extension deadline coming and going and the Nuggets not signing Malik Beasley or Juancho Hernan Gomez to an extension. Some really interesting stuff uh, to talk about in that regard. In segment two, I'm going to sort of preview, just very briefly preview the game. Won't have a show on, on, on Wednesday, but we'll have Matt Moore covering on Thursday and Friday. Um, if you've checked out for a while and don't know, I guess I should check you up on some news. I have left Denver Stiffs. I have formed this new company, DNVR, which is a um, a really cool startup, joining forces with the former BSN crew. And um, so on Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, I'm going to be over there at DNVR Nuggets Podcast. Um, but Matt Moore, just a fantastic job. And I think honestly makes this show better getting his perspective, my perspective. I think you get a little bit of everything and, and it's really cool. Segment two, going to talk, uh, preview the game since this will be the last time you hear me over on this channel. Um, and some of the things I'm looking for. And then in the final segment, have a little bit of fun. Going to share some predictions for uh, the nine guys that I find to be the most interesting on the roster. I'm going to predict their stat lines, or at least the key stats. So that should be a lot of fun. But let's start today by talking about Malik Beasley and Juancho Hernan Gomez not getting extended by the Nuggets. So the rookies, um, on their rookie scale, when you when you have an NBA contract, you get um, a, a first-round contract, you get uh, four years where you are with the team, and then you are eligible to be extended, or up to four years uh, to be with the team. Then you are eligible to be extended um, for you know up to another five years, I believe. Uh, yeah, it is. It is five years. 
um, Malik Beasley, Wanchard, and Gomez could have gotten a, an extension all the way up until today. I know that the Nuggets were very interested in extending them, and that way you avoid free agency. Um, as it sits, Denver did not reach an agreement on those extensions. I am told uh, Mike Singer of the Denver Post reported that the Nuggets were very aggressive trying to get that done. I also just know from talking to people around today, especially as at Pepsi Center for several hours today, I know that they were very busy all day. Um, trying to get something done with them. So I know it was a priority. I know it was something they wanted. But, you know, the players don't always want to sign the extension, especially when you look at the free agent class next year. It's famously very, very thin. Next summer, there are not a lot of players. I mean, there were so much um, players going uh, different places this summer. So many people changed destinations um, this summer. Next summer is a little bit of a dud. And then two summers from now, you have some really big names uh, headlined by Giannis Attentacumpo. So... Um, next summer might be a little bit of a, a weak market. There might be some teams that um, are looking for players. There's just no one to be had. So guys like Malik Beasley, Wancho Hernan Gomez, it's funny. If you watch the Nuggets, you know that Malik Beasley comes off the bench. Wancho Hernan Gomez doesn't even play in the rotation, most likely. We'll find out uh, on Wednesday. But he's probably not going to be in the rotation to start. But I say this all the time. Those are guys that would play and be in the rotation on probably every other team. Both of them. They're that talented of players, and Denver just happens to have that deep of a roster right now. So there's going to be suitors for both of them. Now, the risk from their perspective is that, you know, they're young. They could get an injury this year or just really, really play poorly, and maybe their value really goes south. It was reported that Denver offered a three-year $30 million to Malik Beasley. I think if he stays healthy and just does not completely, like, go sideways and getting several more fights or something like that. Um, if, if he just keeps his head on his shoulders and plays as well as he did last year, he's going to get more than that. And I think he knew that, and that's why that extension just um, kind of fell short. He, of course, hired um, Clutch, Rich Paul, to represent him. So he is, um, you know, he has one of the more powerful uh, brokers, you know, agents and brokers in the NBA working for him. And my guess is that he knows and feels pretty confident that his market, barring an injury, uh, his market is going to be pretty strong next year. Juancho Hernan Gomez may be a little bit less of a market than, than what Malik Beasley had. Malik Beasley just has had the more impressive season um, if you just look at peak seasons. But Juancho Hernan Gomez is six foot nine. He's very athletic. He's a gold medalist. Um, I happen to love the way he plays. I think he's massively underrated here locally in Denver. Um, you know, in, in terms of he, if it were me, he probably would have played a lot more than he did over the last couple of years. Um, but, you, you know, so he has a lot of value as well, and he's going to get a lot of people calling. Now, next summer, it will be restricted free agency, which means that the Denver Nuggets will have the opportunity to match whatever offer comes in, assuming that they have the, the, um, the ability to do so if the number isn't too large. But Denver will have the ability to match them. I think if just me sort of guessing what this means, Denver has some uh, some tough decisions ahead of them. There's a lot of players who can be restricted free agents or just free agents next summer. Mason Plumley unrestricted, Torrey Craig unrestricted, Wancho Hernan Gomez, Malik Beasley, Jeremy Grant has a player option he'll probably opt out of. The, you know, so there's all of those guys can be uh, on the market, and then of course Paul Millsap as well. So Denver, there is a chance that Denver. You know, everything goes sideways for Denver and, and things don't go according to plan and they end up losing a bunch of this guy, their guys. I don't think that'll happen. Um, I think that, you know, Jeremy Grant will be a high priority, almost certainly be a high priority. And guys like Malik Beasley, it's really just going to come down to 
Um, can they afford to fit him in? If he's a backup player, if they're going to stick with Gary Harris, can they afford to spend a certain amount of money uh, to retain him? Um, do they need to make a trade, like for a trade Will Barton or, or somebody like that to open up some cap space to be able to, I guess Will Barton next year will be the only player really that makes sense to trade, um, to open up a space for him so they can keep him. I just, I don't think that's going to happen. I think not coming to a term on this extension, which isn't a surprise, to me sort of signals that the the odds of Malik Beasley staying in Denver past next summer are pretty low. And I even think it ups his odds of being traded at the trade deadline. And that's not necessarily a terrible thing. You know, Denver got Malik Beasley um, in the middle first of the first round. They developed him. He was uh, he's turned out to be a very fantastic player. You know, good kid. Good. I can't call him kid anymore. He's grown up. Um, good guy. And uh, Denver's gotten value out of him. You look at some of the other players that are drafted along that. Um, same same line, Papa Giannis. You know, you, you got players that just never even set foot in the NBA, let alone had the type of years that Malik Beasley did. So I don't think you can call it a loss if Malik Beasley were to leave. Um, but Denver might have to try to cash that in before um, things get too far down the road. So maybe ups the odds a little bit just from my perspective uh, on that happening. Wancher and Gomez is a, a player that it just depends on the price. I'm guessing Denver probably really wanted to get this one done. His value right now maybe they felt like they could get it a little bit lower since of how his season went last year and just the fact that he never played a full season. But it wasn't meant to be. So now Denver has to look at him as well and just say, do we go into this summer not knowing whether or not we're going to be able to keep him and take that risk? Or do we try to cash him in now and get something of value out of him for a team that would have then have the inside track of re-signing him in free agency? So um, a little bit of a bummer that those two weren't extended, but also not a surprise. And now you just kind of sit and wait and see how Denver will handle them going forward. Before we head into break, guys, men, erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to roman.com locked to get a free online visit and a free two-day shipping. For the first time all season, let's preview a basketball game. The Nuggets are going to be in Portland to take on the Trailblazers to open up the kickoff their 2019-2020 campaign. We're just 24 hours away from that, roughly 24 hours away from that. It's going to be really exciting. Um, this game really reminds me a lot of last year's first game against the Los Angeles Clippers. You know, the Clippers in last year and Portland this year are pretty comparable. Um, if Denver was playing at home, they would be favored probably by four or so. Going on the road, they are, according to Vegas, one-and-a-half-point underdogs. They opened as three-point underdogs. That line has moved to one-and-a-half, so a lot of people putting money on Denver in this one. And then 538 has the Nuggets as slight favorites, actually, uh, one-point favorites in this game. But I think it's fair just to call this game more or less a toss-up. The fact that it is in Portland, I think it's a slight edge to Portland. So don't freak out if Denver ends up not winning this game. Um, but they certainly have a chance to, and I think it'll be a real. I think it's in many ways a really, really good first game to kind of gauge and see. Okay, where's this team at? How focused are they? Who looks better? Whatever. Um, and, and it should be a lot of fun. Some of the things I'm looking at specifically in this game. Number one, everything always starts and stops with Wancher or with with Nikola Jokic, not Wancher and Gomez, with Nikola Jokic. And I just want to see his dominance. I thought that in the postseason he was as dominant as we have ever seen him consistently over 14 games. Uh, and, and he just there were so many 
moments where he was imposing his will and just looked like he couldn't get stopped. I think Hassan Whiteside is the type of player that Jokic can really um, dominate, really just you know, can't, Whiteside not exactly a smartest player, certainly not a, one of the most skilled and nimble players. So Jokic can just really abuse him and 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 really just kind of take control of this game and help set the tone. And I just want to see that. Um, you know, Jokic coasted in the preseason. He's earned that. He was so good. The preseason doesn't mean much to him. But I, I'm just curious to see what does Jokic look like. This is our first glimpse of did he take a step forward? Does he look like a dominant player? Does he have a 35-point night on it in him on opening night that just kind of sets the tone and calms everybody's nerves down and says, don't forget, you guys, like, don't worry, you've got me on your team. You know, this is what the big players do. You know, LeBron James plays tomorrow at the Clippers to, to open up the season. He probably is going to try to set the tone and and remind Lakers fans, remind his teammates, like, hey, this is a, I'm a different animal, it's a different beast, and everybody don't go into a game worried because you've got the top dog. Well, I, I want to see Nikola Jokic do that same thing, and um, and so I'm just curious to kind of see it. His first game last season, I thought was it was good, but it was a little bit. You know, you didn't get the sense from that. The game was very sloppy, if you recall. Um, it was back and forth, and Denver did a great job. I think last year, what was so impressive about that win at the Clippers was that they really gutted it out. It wasn't a pretty game. There wasn't they weren't on fire. It down to the wire. They're trailing in the final minutes, um, but it was still really, really good. So I'm curious to see how that goes. Uh, and just see what Jokic looks like. I want to see the turnover numbers. Of course, in the preseason, especially in those first two games, the turnovers were out of control. If Denver protects the ball but still gets the ball popping, then I think that they're gonna they're gonna win this game. But of course, early in the season, you're more susceptible to turning the ball over, and that's I think what we saw in the preseason. You know, of course, you want to see what the rotation will be. Will Michael Porter Jr. play? I would probably set the odds somewhere right now at like. 15%, 20% that he will play. In, in other words, I do not think he will play. Maybe if there's garbage time, then he will get in. Um, but I, right now, my hunch is that Torrey Craig is going to get the the nod and MPJ won't go. And I was thinking about this. How tough must it be for him not to be able to know? I mean, he's been waiting for this moment for so long, and he's on the bubble of the rotation. Michael Malone's not going to be like, oh, it's your first day. I'm going to, you know, no. Michael Malone's trying to win every single game, and he's going to go with the guy that he thinks best. And so tomorrow night might be tough for Michael Porter Jr. mentally because it might be his first NBA game, and it might not. And that, that's probably a tough thing to sort of prepare for. How many minutes will Jeremy Grant and Nikola Jokic play together, and just how do they look? We didn't get a great sample size of that. They looked dominant against the Phoenix Suns uh, in the preseason, but that was the preseason, and it was the Suns. So do they get a lot of run together, and if so, how do they look? Uh, I think it'll be a really good sort of first first kind of peek at that. I think both Will Barton and Gary Harris, I'm going to loop them in together because they're two players coming back from injury, and we've seen a little bit. I think both guys have had their moments in the preseason where you're kind of like, okay, there's the good version. That was the good Barton. We saw that in Game 4 and Game 3. That's the good Gary Harris, and look how dominant the Nuggets are when good Gary Harris is there. Do we get the good version of both of those? And just imagine how great that would look. Imagine if we got good Gary Harris and good Will Barton tomorrow. I mean, already you're like 50% the way there. If you just get one of Murray or Jokic or, you know, any of these other guys, Jeremy Grant or Millsap playing well, then then you're you're going to be doing really well. So curious to see what both of those guys look like. If Will Barton is in the starting lineup, as I suspect that he is, 
Does he look like the guy in game four who I thought played a very in control and patient game, or does he play like the guy in games one through three and half, or if not all of last season that was just taking bad shots and head down barreling to the rim? I hope we don't get that guy, um, but I'm kind of curious to see it. And then lastly, Jamal Murray. In a lot of ways, he's the most interesting player tomorrow because this is such a big year for him. It's such a big matchup. Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, uh, both very good players, and I think we saw last year that. Murray, I think the defining play for Murray, and I wonder how much this one comes up to him in conversations with like Michael Malone, but last year, I think it was game three in that overtime. It was like third overtime. Uh, Michael Malone, Denver's on the defensive end. There's like a minute left, and they take Jamal Murray out of the game because Michael Malone rightfully thought, we need a stop, and I'm going to put Torrey in there. Well, Denver didn't have the ability to call the timeout, so they get the stop. But then Torrey Craig's on the court and Jamal Murray's on the bench for the ensuing possession, the offensive possession. And Denver, I think, didn't even get a shot up uh, on that one. So I think to me, if there was one play that if I was Michael Malone, I would really sit down with Jamal Murray and just kind of talk about it, it'd be that one. Because it would be, look, next time I'm probably going to play you no matter what. But this is, you have to sort of, it's a tough pill to swallow, but you need to be honest with yourself. I didn't trust you in that moment to play, and and you're just quite frankly not good enough to guard C.J. McCollum or Damian Lillard in key moments. And we saw that in Game Seven. Jamal Murray got roasted. So, um, so I I, I don't I, I want to see how he approaches this game and how he looks. And of course, we won't draw too many conclusions off of one game. But it sure would be nice if on Game One Jamal Murray just looked like a more mature player, uh, a more dominant player, and went toe to toe. So those are the things I'm looking at. It's gonna be fun. Um, I just, basketball is back and now I get, you get, I think Nuggets fans are feeling that excitement, but they're also probably feeling that nerves. Nobody wants to start the season 0-1. Um, so you kind of want to get off to that hot start and I'm excited for it. And I'm feeling all of those emotions that you felt last year heading into the, the opener. When we come back on the other side, I'm going to wrap up with some fun stuff, predicting some stat lines, shooting from the hip on this should be fun. We'll be right back. Back here on the Locked On Nuggets podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to DNVR, the new site. Subscribe to it, $3.74 a month, and you get all of the premium content. You're not going to want to miss out. I'm telling you guys, uh, I might make something free. You get a, you can always do a trial month, one month free, um, and, and see what you like it. Because I promise you, if you do the trial month, you're going to like it. And use promo code M-A-R-E-S. And one last thing, people ask me sometimes, what can they do besides just just uh, subscribing to the show? Share it. If you read some of the articles that I've been putting out and you really enjoy them, share them on Twitter. I'll retweet you. And, and it'll, it just shows other people like, hey, other people are doing this and it shows value. We have had our best month um, last month with only seven days, and we're going to blow that number out of the water this month. So a lot of people subscribing and jumping on the bandwagon. If you are liking what you see, shoot me a message and, and I'll share it with the world. Always good feedback to, to show other people that you get your money's worth with DNVR. All right, let's get into the predictions. Jokic's. This was, I think, it's weird that this is my most confident one. Um, 18 points per game. That's down two points from last year. He was a 20-point-per-game scorer. I think he's going to be a, a lesser scorer this year, but on better efficiency. 18 points per game, 11 and a half rebounds per game. That would be up. Uh, and, and I think with the rebounding, with Jeremy Grant in there, I just think the court's going to be a little bit more spread. 
Um, you know, maybe we see some Wancho or Michael Porter at the four. I think you're just going to have more stretchier lineup combinations to go out there. And I think what that does is that forces the defense to scramble even more. And I think Jokic is going to get a lot of putbacks and easy ones. Um, so his efficiency going to go up, the rebounding going to go up. Eight assists per game. So up from 7.3 last year, I think that goes up. Some of these numbers, by the way, you know, they could be higher if I thought Jokic was going to play 34, 35 minutes per game, but he's not. I think he's going to play 31 minutes per game just like he did last year. And so, like, on a per 36 basis, he might be really, really close to a triple-double. But I think 18, 11 and a half, and 8 is probably the number. But here's the kicker. I think 54% from the field, 37% from the three-point line. Both of those would be um, not career highs, but close in both accounts. And I just think that this will be more like his 2018 season, 17 season, where he was just hyper-efficient. I think he's going to get a lot of great looks. And Denver has so many good um, scorers on, on this team that I think he's going to be able to play that facilitating role more often than not. And and I think that's a win for everybody, honestly. He'll have some big nights. And I think in the playoffs, his numbers will probably be back up around 25 points per game. But in the regular season, I think he's going to be able to distribute the ball a lot. And I think he'll have maybe a few more of those 12, 13 point games, but, you know, 12, 13 assist games as well. Um, so I think it'll be 18 points, but more by choice than like by him slumping or anything like that. Jamal Murray, 20 points per game. I think he's going to lead the team in scoring. Um, that's up from 18. I think he's ready to be the main option as a shooter, not as not necessarily as like, you know, Jokic is still going to be the first option always. But Murray, I think now just taking a few more shots, getting uh, maybe even playing slightly more minutes, although probably not. I think 4.2 rebounds per game, 5.3 assists. I've liked what I've seen from Jamal Murray, the passer, in the preseason, and I, I would not be surprised if he gets up to 5.3 assists. 38.5% um, from the three-point line on 5.5 attempts. That 5.5 attempts is pretty much the same as the last two years. That's why I don't know that he's going to be this one of these Steph Curry types that's launching 9, 10 three-pointers a game. Uh, I think he's probably more of an all-around scorer type than he is one of these pure shooting point guards. I wouldn't be surprised if it got up to around six per game, but you know the fact that he had a game this preseason where he didn't take a three-point shot um, makes me think that he's probably not focused or, or, or thinking about, oh, I got to up my three-point percentage. He's probably more focused on his all-around scoring arsenal. And so I think 38.5% on five-and-a-half attempts will be really, really good. Um, Gary Harris, 16 points per game. He peaked at 17. I don't think he's ever going to be the usage uh, that type of usage before. But I do think that his efficiency is going to be through the roof. I've talked about this a couple times now, but Gary Harris is one of very few shooting guards to have a 60% true shooting in back-to-back -back seasons, in two seasons. Um, last year that dipped quite a bit, uh, but of course the injury, I think he gets back there. I think he has another season in which he has a 60% true shooting, 39% from the three-point line, and just really efficient inside the three-point line, getting to the rim, finishing above the rim a lot. Uh, I think we get back to basically what the Gary Harris that we saw two years ago. And there's going to be nights, I think, where he goes off on the scoring. You know, Gary Harris, he's more of a steady, like he almost always scores between 12 and 25 points. I don't know that he's going to have too many like huge outbursts, but I do think we'll get a few. I think we'll have like a 35-point Gary Harris game or a couple of them. And, and I'm just looking forward to that because that's something that Denver didn't have last season. Will Barton. This one's a really tough one. I'm going to go 12 points per game, which is a little bit down. A little bit down. I think his minutes might get reduced um, just because as Denver has some other options. I, I don't know that he's going to play a ton, ton of minutes. 
Four assists per game, I think, would be pretty solid. Um, the, the assist numbers would be the thing I would really look for from him going up. I, if that happens, then Denver's in a great, great spot. Five rebounds per game. And then I think 45% um, from the field, which is solid. Like, you know, that's solid for a guard. You want efficient, low-usage high assist Barton. That's just the best Barton there is. And I, and you know, you'll get some of those nights where he's just on fire and he's going to put his head down and score. And you want that Barton too. You want the guy that can be able to play multiple roles. And that's sort of what makes him so good. But I'm hoping that more often than not, you get the assist one and I'm kind of betting on it. So the points may be a little disappointing. I think he had 11 points per game last year is injured. So 12 points per game would not be, you know, that, that would mean there's sort of a reduction in his scoring. But one of my theories about this year, I have, I have, you know, Jokic down. I have Barton down a little bit. Just Gary Harris will be up. Jamal Murray will be up. Michael Porter Jr., when he plays, I think is going to score. Jeremy Grant's going to score. Denver just has so many scores that somebody has to take the scoring hit. And I think Jokic and Barton are the two um, that probably do. Paul Millsap, I think he plays 65 games by choice, not by injury. 65. I think he averages 12 points per game, which is in line with what he did last year. And I think he takes four threes a game, which is kind of, you know, just a little a marginal increase. But I, he had such a quick trigger and shot the ball with such confidence that I think he's going to continue to do that. I do think he'll probably only shoot around 35% because I just think that's what kind of shooter he is. Anything north of 36 is like a huge bonus. Um, so if he does shoot like 40% this year, that would be just fantastic development for the Denver Nuggets. I think Monte Morris gets 10 points per game. Pretty much the same thing he had last year. 10 points per game, 40% from the three-point line, and leads the league in assist-to-turnover ratio. I think Monte more or less is who he is, but I do think that he's a really heck of a player, and I think his efficiency will be good. Here's another one where I'm kind of down on. I think Malik Beasley is only 10 points per game. I think a lot of people see Beasley taking a leap of sorts, but let's look at this for a moment. Last year, he played a lot of minutes with Jokic in that starting lineup. And we know everybody's efficiency skyrockets when they play with Jokic. Well, I think Gary Harris is going to obviously play a lot of minutes and a lot of those with Jokic. So you look at Beasley, he's probably going to be more of a part of that second unit and his efficiency might take a hit. And then also with Barton and Harris healthy, Beasley is now buried a little bit further down the bench. He's probably getting a little bit fewer minutes. Um, And with this extension um, thing up in the air, maybe Denver, if Barton and Harris are playing well, maybe they're just thinking, well, we're probably going to trade him anyway, or his value maybe goes down in the offseason. We can resign him. I just don't know that he's going to be able to like make a a points per game leap. I do think he'll shoot 38% from the three point line. He was 40% last year. Again, that 2% difference is probably from not playing with Jokic primarily, but more splitting time with starters and bench. Michael Porter Jr., 9 points per game. I think he's going to play. The 9 points per game, I think, is actually going to be weighed down by this first like two months of the season where some games he plays two minutes and scores zero points. And um, I, I think he's a scorer. We saw that he played 11 minutes or 12 minutes in the preseason and scored 11 points per game or whatever, 9 points per game. I think he's going to be around nine points per game, but I think by the midpoint of the season, he's actually one of the team's better scorers, probably somewhere around 15 points per game. He might have a month where he scores 15 points per game and is playing 20 minutes or 23, 24 minutes. I hope so, because I think that I just was so impressed with what I saw in the preseason and uh, as much as I, if it were me personally, I would love to see him playing. I'm sure Malone has a method to his madness and early he might sit or play very, very few minutes, but I think as the season goes on, he's going to be great. 37% from the three point line. I think he's a great three point shooter and 37% for a rookie is really, really good. I think he'll have stretches where he's shooting like 45% over a 10 game stretch. I just, he's that type of talent. 
Um, but he's a rookie, and I think he'll also have the stretches where he's shooting 25% over 10-game sample size. And then 50% from the field. Um, his shot selection is going to be a big part of this. It's actually the biggest part. Um, but I think from what I saw in the preseason, he seemed like a guy that was focused on fitting in and being efficient. And if he does that, 50% for him is, is not out of the question. And then Jeremy Grant, 13 points per game. I think his scoring will be up because he had 13 points per game last year in Oklahoma City on 33 minutes. I think he plays 25 minutes and he gets that same point per game output. That 22-point game where he shared the court with Jokic, the 22 points came so easy. They were very Kenneth Freed-esque. And I think when and if Malone starts playing those guys, him and Jokic together consistently, I think Jeremy Grant's going to have a lot of just like 20-point games on 10 shots. You know, just very, very efficient type uh, type games. 38% from the three-point line. I do trust his shot, um, especially in this offense. He has good shot selection. And then 55% from the field, which would be a career high. That's right. I am predicting a career high efficiency for Jeremy Grant. Very high on him and his fit here. And that's kind of what I expect. So I hope you had fun with that one, guys. I'm not going to do Torrey Craig or some of the other guys. Just, I mean, Torrey Craig's point per game output is just so low. And I don't know how much he's going to play. I don't think it would be interesting. And then guys like Wancho, of course, and Bol Bol and those guys, I just don't think they're going to play enough to be able to make a, a, a very accurate prediction. I'm excited. I'm excited for this season, guys. This is my fifth year now covering this team, or fifth or sixth year. Let's see, I started with Gary Harris 2014, so this is my sixth year, actually. I, I would say five and a half as I sort of started towards the end of, of that season. But um, every year I feel more confident in what I'm doing, more excited, and just build off of what I've done. I think the Locked on Nuggets podcast now, 500-plus episodes, I think we're at 530 episodes into this now, um, just really have a – Hit, hit the stride, and I think Matt Moore, a fantastic addition to this show. And then, of course, over at DNVR, I would not have, you know, I love Denver Stiffs. That was my baby. There's some great people there, but I, I would not have left that situation if I didn't believe in the product that we we're going to put out and just the type of work that we are doing and will continue to do this season. And so I, I really hope that you guys consider uh, checking it out. Do that trial period, and then when you're done, you're going to be ready to uh, subscribe. Don't forget to use the promo code MARESMADES. The season is here, everybody. I can't wait to spend it with you. We'll see you all then.